Hello, it's Shahid, and welcome back to season five uh, in a very happy new year. I can't quite believe I'm saying this, but uh, the Creative Floor Awards are 10 years old. Just a massive, massive thank you to everyone who supported us so far. I can't quite believe we're a decade on. But anyway, we're here. And uh, yeah, just just massive, massive thank you. The award show is open and our early bird deadline is the 10th of February. Our Talent Diversity Fund has also opened. So if you have an idea of how to help those from underrepresented backgrounds, please do get your submissions in. Full details on how to do that are on the creativefloor.com slash awards. And today we talk to Forecast, Frank Walters, Selwyn Lerner, Adrian Parr and Jeremy Perot. This is amazing. I, I couldn't think of a more inspirational episode to kick off uh, season five of our podcasts. Certainly, if you're feeling lonely, struggling with your agency culture, working from home, looking for ideas on how to train, what to do, this episode is really, really going to help you. There's enough inspiration here to even, and enough information as well, to even start your own agency. Certainly, there's some amazing career advice here. And most importantly, it is complete rocket fuel to get you motivated for the next 12 months. So please do subscribe to these podcasts so you don't miss out on our future episodes. We have some amazing, amazing guests and topics coming up. And if you want to promote any job roles for your agencies or if you're a production company that want to promote your services on these podcasts, please do get in touch with us at awards at thecreativefloor.com. And we do have a couple of slots left. Uh, so if you have a subject that you'd like to share on season five, please do get in touch uh, with us today. Anyway, I'm going to stop talking. I loved, loved this conversation. I couldn't think of a per more perfect one to actually just kick off the year. Enjoy. Welcome everyone to another Creative Law podcast. It's the first one of 2023 and I couldn't be happier and more excited to be joined by my panel today. So let's say hello. Uh, we've got Aid Parr, ECD of Republica, part of the Link Health Group. Um, apparently he does pictures according to Selwyn. Apparently he doesn't even do that anymore. But anyway, welcome Aid. Uh, Happy New Year, everybody. Happy New Year. We also are joined by ECD co-founder, co-partner, some bloke, according to him, from Lerner Adams Bones. Hello, Selwyn. Hi, morning, everyone. Happy New Year. Good to be here, joining this happy bunch again. Yeah, nice to hear your voice. Uh, that's not what my wife says. <laughs> Nice. Okay. <laughs> We're also joined by advertising legend Frank Walters, the pitch doctor and artist of frankwaltercolors.com. Hello, Frank. Shahid, good morning and hi, everyone, and happy new year to you all. Happy new year. And all the way from Australia, we're joined once again by Jeremy Perot, survivor, founder, and partner for Help for Good. He's also creative director of Blackfish Film Productions. Hello, Jeremy. Good morning. Good morning, and thank you very much for having me. And happy Easter. Uh, always thinking ahead. <laughs> <laughs> yes, happy Easter as well to everyone. Yeah, way in advance. Well, welcome. This is season five of uh, Creative Floor Podcast, which I can't quite believe. It's also our tenth year of having an award show, so uh, we're kind of getting older in real time together. 
Uh, I thought I'd love to kick it off again with the forecast bunch, get some reflections of 2022, get some of your insights and your learnings, and also some kind of predictions for 2023. And Frank, if you want to share more stories of uh, aid puking on your shoes at you know summer parties or interviews, you're more than welcome to share it today. I, I absolutely Please. will, don't, Frank. <laughs> 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 I mean, Selwyn, seeing as you're kind of first up on my on my board here, let's start with you. Give us an idea of like what it was like as a independent agency owner in London in 2022, running an agency. Uh, it was it was up and down. It was not too bad. Um, we started off pretty well, then it went flat, uh, and I don't know whether that's the same for everybody. Um, in terms of this sort of hybrid working thing that people are doing. I, I wasn't really sure which way it was going to go, but uh, whether people were going to be wanting to do two days in, three days off, this sort of thing. Actually, they settled in pretty well, even though it was established to the year before, the kind of three days on. We do, uh, which is why I might sound a little bit jaded this morning, we do something called uh, Thirsty Thursday on a Thursday, uh, which basically involves... Uh, filling the fridge full of booze from Sainsbury's on Thursday morning and gin and tonics and laying into it on Thursday afternoon. Um, and that does seem to um, keep the staff pretty motivated. So it's actually been pretty good from that point of view. We've actually got more people who have joined us. So something's working. Either we're just pissing away the profits or something's <laughs> working. I don't know what. Um, and then we had a bit of a, a bit of a flourish towards the end of the year and maybe august time uh, a couple of <clears throat> new blue chip pharma companies came on board and a u.s uh, tech company uh, and a couple of other smaller bits and pieces so a little bit of global i've done a little bit of teaching as well so it's been an interesting year i, I would say we're a little bit bigger than we were but uh still as to borrow from jeremy's phrase uh, uh, still surviving which i think is an achievement in its own right these days yeah and aid how have you found it because the last time we spoke to you you just joined uh, this sort of like medical education group and you were setting up this ad agency part this creative side i mean what what was it like you've sort of given yourself a proper year of um getting your feet under the table right yeah yeah it's been interesting so so i i sort of head up the um the lhg group creatively <clears throat> and to start off with there's a lot of a lot of work in, in in medical and just sort of sort of changing the dynamic there um, uh, a bit, um, which was really good fun actually, really interesting. And um, within that, we just started up uh, Republica, although it was just me on the Todd, and then we've um, gradually swollen the ranks. Um, I've got a partner um, now who's uh, who's American based, which is which is excellent. And um, uh, we had some, uh, we took on some new business guys and um, uh, as a sort of contract thing, uh, which worked out really well. Um, they, were, they were, they were excellent. And basically just been pitching, um, pitching and pitching and pitching really more than anything else. And um, a couple of them have come off and they've been working um, really, really well. Um, but it's a kind of symbiotic relationship, if you like. So um, some of the leads are gathered from the new business guys. Some of the leads are gathered from the um, from, from the indigenous population, if you like, of um, uh, Link Health Group. And um, it's basically sort of looking for opportunities, creative opportunities in, in A&P as opposed to like, like pure play uh, medical education. 
but we're also sort of trying to change the dynamic a little bit and looking at partnerships, unlikely partnerships. Um, we sort of trade on on this thing called unexpected relevance, which is like my little coin for, um, phrase, if you like, which I've coined. And trying to set up partnerships with with you know companies that are completely unrelated but have some sort of connection um, in a in a health angle. Um, it's kind of um, it's 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 kind of an embryonic idea, but it 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 makes sense if you like. Um, and um, yeah, it's just uh, yeah, it's just really really different and really really interesting and just seeing where these things lead to. Were you were you still mostly remote? Yeah, but, but Link Health Group have never had an office, um, and they 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 started trading in twenty fourteen. Um, so so the lockdown really didn't affect anybody. It's um, it's completely remote, which has its benefits. Yeah. Um, obviously, we're not like <laughs> shedding thirty quid a day trying to get into London on a on a train that doesn't work. Um, so that's nice. Um, you miss the community spirit a little bit. Um, but having said that, I'm sort of I'm sort of old enough now to just sort of look after myself and not speak to anybody all day. It's quite <laughs> nice. <laughs> Being anti-social. Um, but everything's done on Teams, you know. And and I must admit, when I was, you know, when I was commuting into London, I did kind of think, you know, when um when you used to do those like I think they were called like blue jeans and all those other funny, funny little yeah. things which eventually went away and turned into Teams and Zoom. I did kind of think, well, what's the point of, you know? getting on a train and going into London every day is uh, going to an office. Um, so I was thinking it round about, I don't know, 2016 or so. So, so really, I suppose COVID did us all a favour um, if you don't want to spend money on train fares. And nobody's using the trains now anyway. The whole bloody world's on strike, isn't it? So, um, mm. <laughs> um, yeah. So no, yeah, no one's using the trains anymore. So therefore, you know, it's, it's that, that thing has had like that working from home thing has had a massive effect, not just on, on, you know, the laptop um, class, uh, but also on everybody else who doesn't have a laptop and needs to go out and do something physical. It's awful, really. Yeah. Well, let's get to that later on, because I'd love to sort of like all pick your brains on, on working from home. Um, because I've got, yeah, I think we've all probably got an interesting perspective on that. So let's pop over to Frank. Um, so Frank, obviously, you've got an amazing perspective because you've sort of been there and done it and you're sort of doing something completely different. But I know you sort of dip your toe back in and out of the industry. Yeah, great yeah, to hear. yeah. absolutely, Shahid. I mean, you know, as they say, life is a journey, isn't it? And uh as long as you keep yourself active and keep yourself involved and, and have some fun, that's the most important thing. Um, it's uh, it's uh, talking about fun. I'm not drinking uh, this month. I've taken a, a leaf out of the book of Brian Towell, who, who always had a dry January and always banged on to me about I should do it. So I've finally done a doing a dry January at the moment. So I won't be raiding your, your fridge, Selwyn. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, <laughs> You can invite me around in February for a drink. Uh, that, that would be good. I look forward to that. Um, yeah, just very briefly. I mean, I, I started um, I started my painting life uh, just around when COVID started, and like like a, like Adrian said, you know, sometimes uh, you know COVID you you know you can be thankful for in some respects because what COVID delivered to me was zoom 
Um, you know, I didn't really get involved in Zoom uh, three years ago. And suddenly people having to isolate started to communicate with each other, you know, through the medium of Zoom. And it really took off. And that was exactly the time when I started uh, painting on Zoom and giving, you know, virtual watercolor sessions. And the business just completely grew. It got massive and it occupied all my time. I mean, I, I really finished in advertising as a a full-time job just before COVID struck. Ever since then, I've been painting, and that has been really quite successful. Um, I've got some painting retreats this year coming along, uh, which are in Cordoba, Luca, and Joan I mean, what great little locations. And I couldn't do stuff like this when I was working. Sort of advertising got in the way of a lot of things. Um, it sort of stopped me painting, but now I'm painting. Now, moving on, uh, the last six months have been very unusual because I've started to get invited to um, pitch to help agencies pitch. I obviously know a lot of people in the industry. I know a lot. And I put myself out on LinkedIn and said, look, I'm a pitch doctor with a K. And uh, I said, look, you know, I can help out on the pitch, you know, both strategic, creative, big overview at any level you like. And um, it has been a really interesting phase for me the last six months uh, of, of, of working in two camps. One is the, the, the art side, which is taking care of itself and really enjoyable. And the other side has been the as a pitch doctor. And um, But there's been some interesting issues um, uh, that I'd like to talk to about that maybe a little bit later. I'll give, uh, um, let's hear from Jeremy. I think I've spoken enough at the moment. Yeah, cool. I'd love to get back into that. Yeah. And um, so now we go over to Australia and, and hi, Jeremy. Like, it's just lovely to hear your voice again. Just, I can't wait to hear what you've been up to. Because last time we spoke, you just set this new agency up and um, it sounded phenomenal. Um, your accountant sacked you, apparently. Um, so, yeah, it's great to hear <laughs> how you got on. I don't even know where to start because I can't believe a year's gone in all that time. And listening to the guys talking, um, familiarity just makes the time just feel like we spoke yesterday. So I was rapidly going through my Rolodex of memories of well, one thing I talk about, one thing I talk about, and, and be slightly relevant. So, um, yeah, H4G, here for good. Uh, I've been going for a year. Um, we posted a tile the other day saying we're – it's our anniversary, and we're grateful, grateful to our client, our, our partners. We've—I don't know how to put this—but we've sort of evolved into this um, small group of of um, like-minded partners. And I say partners; we don't have clients; we call them partners, and we build relationships with those partnerships. I'm dying to write the headline: "We never use the C word because we don't like to refer to our partners as clients." But I'm—I don't want to do that just yet. Let's get ahead of myself. But I think the principle of all that is we're having a lot of fun um, doing stuff that we've all talked about when we were fully employed at the big multinationals, but no one heard you. And, and Adrian, you're, you're, you're probably the closest to me on that. The amount of times we shoot the shit at award shows or over a few beers and, and we go, well, why can't we? Why don't we do what? Suddenly, the why don't we is, oh, we just did it. We just did that. We just did this. We just hired our first person to come on board, and he's an ex-client coming in on as a um, 
as a partner, not, not a shareholder partner, but a partner in, in encouraging new partnerships. And with that, um, two pharma clients, I can't talk about them just yet, but two pharma clients, and we have our founding client, which is an energy group, a new energy group that's well, it's being funded or in the processes of being funded and launched um, with brand new technologies. And then a group, a, a company behind that, that will that'll, uh, evolve out of that into discovering new tech that'll help create better quality of life for everybody, but starting with third world underdeveloped countries and using that as the founding cornerstone to bring new technology to everybody's hands. And essentially, like you buy a cheap ass radio from Kmart, which you can also go to Bang & Olsen and buy a 50,000 pound deal, you'd be able to do the same with this technology to power everything in your house. So it's a really um, exciting venture that that thing has turned out to be. Um, and with that, you know, you have small clients that need desperate help, but you have a wealthy, I say I'm using the word client so everyone understands it, but wealthy partners who will fund um, through their, their costs the smaller businesses' ability to, to get great work. Because the principle is, why do you have to pay through the nose to have great work when all we're trying to do is help someone who needs, needs help more than anybody else, i.e. charities, etc. I haven't gone all humble and born again, but it's taken me down a path of, um, um, not of, not of, I see the light. Shit, it's a train. I'm in a tunnel. It's not one of those. It's, it's a reflection of, um, boy, if we could only have done this two-thirds of the way through of our, all of our corporate lives, we would probably have made a bigger impact and had just as much fun. But inside all of that, and, and, and this is an everyday thing, I'm, I have to be honest, I haven't touched the Zantac for a while, like a couple of years. And um, I'm right off anything that's you know to do with keeping anxiety at bay. Um, it's just been a, a glorious adventure of what's going to happen today. And you know, little things like, you get asked to join or become advisor for an institution and you don't know why they do that but someone's been doing their homework and say we really want you to be involved or you're helping agencies get stronger and better through just simply giving some wisdom and some talks of experience which is sorely needed for what i'm seeing and hearing from across creators around the world there's just no there's no real serious um effort made by net agencies to help create leaders in their companies. I mean, you won at Cannes, so now you're the creative director. Oh, you, you're screwed up because you told the client to get stuff, so you're no longer creative director and you're out the door anyway. It's not that ruthless. That's a scenario that people are fearing the most because it's so fickle to try and mentor them. Well, they ask you to mentor and give them advice. But I, I do this for free. I, it's actually good for my therapy too, just to talk. But um, when I hear them snoring at the end of the phone, I realize I've talked through the night and that's always a problem but the point i'm making is is the more i'm talking to creators around the world whether it be uk us china wherever it's the same sort of bubbling up they desperately need somebody to talk to and someone to advise and help them and that that system isn't inside the agencies or inside the hr department's uh, priority list so that that's also kept me fairly busy but um inside all of that the, that company that I joined um, accidentally and then became their creative director under their invite, we made a film um, 18 months ago that just won a silver, gold and platinum um, at the um, um, New York Film Festival. It's called the, the News Awards, I think. The reason why I'm, I'm saying this is that I once used to really 
gosh, I don't know how to tell you. I, I, it, the pressure to win, um, the expectations from on high in the agency globally for the record to show that this was another brilliant year. Um, it was it was phenomenal? Uh, I, I look back now and I realise, Jesus Christ, what were we doing? And I don't think I ever pressured my creative directors. I, I knew that they wanted to win and I knew they could win and I would do whatever I could to help them get there. But um, I never, never realized this, the power of the pressure of what the agencies were expecting from their creative leaders to, so that they could spruik to Wall Street or at the shareholder meeting. And, you know, the awards are only great for one day. That's the day you win it because the day after, it starts all over again. But um, I'm sort of writing this article about the most valuable award I won was from something I never knew about. Uh, and what it did was restore my sense of self-esteem and self. Because um, after the train crash, um, I don't talk about it too much, but that ripped the shit out of me. It really did. And, and so a lot of things had to happen for me to find that I had two feet that I couldn't just walk on, but I could stand up and, and jog around and, and then eventually run. So for that, particular venture I am incredibly grateful and most recently um, I'm also the creative director of a regional gallery where we're about to um, rebuild an architecture design a brand new creative hub within the region which will have things like a music school and work workrooms as well as galleries and uh, studios for artists to rent and work out of so that's really exciting so really my Last 12 months or 18 months has been a spread of anything but conventional, which has probably kept me very sane. Well, congratulations on all of those things. It sounds pretty phenomenal. You said something really interesting. You said, you know, when you were working with AIDS and you were kind of, you know, having chats about, you know, we should be doing this. Why don't we do that? What, what, what stopped you from doing what you're doing now much earlier? Um, process. Um, I had a great chairman at the time, um, and he he knew creativity was the key to the agency or the healthcare group being successful. And I knew that the only way we were going to be taken seriously inside that group was to produce the work that the rest of the agency mainstream could look at and go, oh, shit, healthcare do some really cool work. So when you have someone supporting you like that, and, of course, when we went to Cannes, we had, you know, we had the... Um, speaker session which was fighting for your creative life and there we were i i have to be honest that's when they let me do what i always wanted to do which was to bring speakers in astronauts film directors fashion designers a whole lot to talk about things other than the creative world of advertising just to try and, and find that parallel so creative people could see that the world they in they're in is just the same as the creative world of an astronaut and the challenges that that person had to go through to achieve his goals um, but otherwise, um, no, you're going to be accountable to a bottom line. You're going to have a finance and you're going to have people with limited visions who get closer and closer to the sharp end of the pencil. And that, that then comes down to, and when, when people ask me, you know, should they take a job, uh, my first question to them is, if you ask the agency who want to employ you, what they expect from you and how they're going to support you in delivering it. Oh, I can't ask them that. Well, if you can't fucking ask them that, they don't need you because you don't need them. So um, the, the, the answer really is, unless you have someone who's willing to take the fight to the top with you on your behalf, 
the answer is going to be, no, I can't do that. So don't worry about thinking about like that. Don't think about it like that. But I, I had, um, I had very great support for many years, and so that's why McCann Health was able to do an awful lot. But we weren't able to do um, the bigger stuff. Um, I think getting to Cannes for us was a mammoth exercise in shaping the ad industry so that all the international award shows carried a healthcare uh, show. That was big, um, and that was through the support of, of, of a chairman. But the more maverick stuff, like why can't we have an artist in residence? Wouldn't it be great if we had a comedian who was resident in, in every office for three weeks, who saw every script, who saw every idea and put their spin on it? What if we had a sculptor who had to be involved in most of the creative thinking? Someone who's got no idea about what's going on, but when they open their mouth to see things with different lens, twists and turns things around so that the creative department sees things very differently as well. They were all, yeah, that'd be great, but we can't. And so those things for me, if today, if I could, if I, if I was in an international big agency again, I would expect to have a human behaviorist in the creative department, uh, body language, and, and understanding why people think and do what they do, so that we're not pigeonholed into strategy and planning, giving us blinkered, um, egotistical points of view on what one person has interpreted the information as. Instead, you have creative people helping interpret something and giving you a bent lens to see it through very different colours and different um, perspectives. I think that that's exciting. I think we're getting, you know, what I think we're actually getting there because more and more companies starting off and doing things different have that principle behind them. Um, mm. You know, I, look, I, I think if, if I had my chance to be replaced and choose the person to replace me, I would have taken someone out of um, Pixar. I would have taken someone out of, um, you know, the digital entertainment world to bring their spin to help the creatives see their lives through a different lens rather than producing film to tight strategic guidelines. But I'm going to get into hot water here, so I, you know. <laughs> well, I hope. I hope well, these are all brilliant ideas, and hopefully, some, you know, someone out there is listening to this, and they're going, "Well, I'm going to steal this for my agency. I want to start bringing in these different types of comedians and behaviorists." And so I think it's great. I think it'd be fantastic. I, I honestly think, you know, if we can build culture in, in companies where people don't have to go to work, they want to go to work. Yeah. Have to work on something, they demand to work on it. Uh, that's when you get commitment. That's when you get passion. And that's when you get the unbelievable creative that comes out of people's minds because they know they're not going to get fired for thinking different. Oh, the client will never buy that. Now, listen, get serious and start doing what I told you to do. And it's, it's quite traditional in many aspects and respects. Yeah. I mean, I, I want to get um, soon to Frank's um, pitch issues, which I can't wait to hear, but you touched on something really interesting there. And I'm just sort of going to bring it back to some of the things that you said earlier. You talked about culture and then you, earlier you talked about how you're spending quite a lot of your time just talking to people, right? Because, you know, a lot of agencies don't really have the infrastructure to maybe just have that sort of space, that space and time for creative leaders. I'm imagining you're talking to sort of creative directors at that sort of level. Um, what is going on in the world? Because obviously we are all remote, it's all hybrid, but what effect, and obviously we'll bring everyone into this now, what effect do you think is happening to creative leaders right now with, with this hybrid working 
and and why why they're in so much need to talk to someone like you, Jeremy? Okay, lonely. <laughs> um, what do they? They don't look. They don't have. And they do know this as well. So we all know this. You get given a job, and um, the last thing you hear from the guy who gave the job is, "Don't fuck it up." So you get you get given a promotion. You get given this great title. You get what a cash, and now you're sitting in the big office. And the guy that used to sit there is either sitting down the back of the room or is left the agency in disgrace. What's prepared you for that job? Who do you go to to talk to within the agency for advice without looking like you're lost or you're weak or you're incomplete or you're incompetent or you just don't know what you're doing completely and cause gossip? And, hey, you know what? I don't know why that guy's got the job. He keeps asking me how to do it. I could do that job. But there isn't that ability. Don't, they don't have those people aren't there, and the old way of working. Um, and this is what I love when I hear Frank talk because, um, although I was never lucky enough to work for Frank as Aid and Selwyn have, um, to have an agency where the godfather is a, still a rock and roller, to be able to go and talk and, and shoot the shit and really become open about something, um, isn't there anymore because. It's just not allowed. It's not acceptable. Cancel culture? I don't know what that means anymore. Is it um, politically incorrect? I don't know what that means anymore. Is it um, forbidden? Oh, I don't upset somebody. Uh, is it something I talk to HR? Oh, Christ, don't go down that road, mate. Do not go to HR and tell them how you're feeling. That's, that's like, oh, and here's my reason for leaving. Um, I'm, I'm being facetious for a reason because these are all the things that sit in the back of these guys' minds. So there's no sense of security and ability to go to the top. Or to the top to go to someone. I can't. A guy can't go to the MD and go, "Hey, look, I'm really shit and bricks here. I don't know what to do with so and so." Well, don't come to me. I'm paying you to do that. So get on with it. Yeah, but last week I was just, I was junior creative director, and then now I'm executive creative. What the? How do I? Somebody help me. There isn't that facility now. Of course, there will be companies that say, "Yes, there is. We have it. We're really good at it." But in general, there isn't, and it's a perception that if you expose yourself too much, way too much. You will be taken advantage of, and you'll be, you know, kicked out or pulled down or just made to fail. And we're very good at doing two things in our industry. We're very good at pumping people up, and we're very good at flipping them out when uh, they don't do what everybody wants or they don't perform the way they thought they would. We're not very good at providing the ability to to learn on the job and talk. And talking, like any anywhere in the world. Doesn't matter where you go to, if you go to a therapist, he's just going to ask you just keep talking. Suicide, keep talking. Let's get this out and think about it. Let's talk about it. Let's understand it. You know, mental health. We need to talk about it. These things are forbidden. These were, is it, hey, are you happy in your job? Yes, I am. Well, what are you doing wrong, pal? You're not working hard enough. I mean, these things still occur and still sit in the mainstream of of how our agencies and how many companies, not just advertising agencies, function. It's not good to feel happy. Bullshit. A happy workforce is a profitable workforce. A contented workforce is a good workforce, but don't let it get too lazy. Mediocrity is dead easy because everybody's good at it. I, I agree with Jeremy, in fact. I um, uh, totally agree with him. When I was at, um, was at Palling Walters, actually, we used to have this guy who came in, <coughs> a chap called Jamie, and you could... Um, he, he wasn't related to the company at all. And um, you could sit down and talk to him. He was like a, like a psychologist, psychiatrist, psychologist. 
Um, it's really interesting. Like you could sort of offload some gripes and stuff. Um, and um, yeah, he was, he was, he was really useful. Um, we don't really have anyone like that. And um, I suppose, I suppose you're right. And I, I, but I do think, you know, if you look at society in general, like, like nobody trusts anybody anymore. Like you can't trust, nobody trusts politicians, nobody trusts uh, what we're being told on mainstream news because it's like, like, you know, there's, you know, there's stuff going on in social media which totally, you know, counters what's, what's been, what we're being told. There's wars, there's all sorts of stuff. So nobody really trusts and everyone's frightened of cancel culture as well, um, which is a, which is a big issue. And I think, you know, I, you know, the, the four guys that are on this, um, on this call, I trust implicitly. They're your mates. So the world's got a little bit smaller, I think, and um, and that whole talking and exposing yourself is a is a you know it, it does breed a little bit of paranoia. Um, so you know, and without trust, you know, trust leads to well, without trust, I suppose it leads to insecurity, which leads to paranoia, which leads to anxiety, which leads to depression, which leads to mental illness. You know, and you've got all that stuff. So. It's a sort of cascade, if you like, to the to the bottom. So I think trust in trust is 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 in, so important for a creative because actually, you know, we are the guys with the blank sheet of paper, which you know, draw a picture and hope everybody likes it, or writes a line and hope every everyone likes it, or you know, makes a film and hopes everybody likes it. But there's a massive amount of insecurity in creatives, um, and I don't see that going away, especially with the pressure to win awards come up with new ideas you know oh i'm not creative but you are so therefore it's your job to think about this and you know what jeremy was saying earlier about bringing in different disciplines you know um there's a saying i think i can't remember who said it actually but it was it was um uh all the greatest candle makers in the world couldn't make an electric light bulb so you need somebody different to come in and sort of change that dynamic um and so and so yeah there's some that, that what Jeremy's saying is is a is a really important um, thing, and I suppose working remotely, um, you do have time on your hands to think about stuff in more depth, but also I suppose you do you don't necessarily have that distraction so much of the general buzz in an office, um, which people which people miss. Um, However, I don't know. For me, for me, working remotely is like really great. Um, but for younger people, I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it's not so great. I know my son. I likes going to into the office because um, he gets to see his mates and he gets to you know chat um, <clears throat> and interact with people. But I, I don't know. For me, for me, it works. But I don't think it. I don't think it should be the norm. I think you should have the the opportunity. Um, if you if you want it, and if you don't want to work remotely, don't get a job. <laughs> Link Health Group because we've got no no intention whatsoever at the moment of buying an office because um, we don't have to. Um, but the thing is, I mean, here's another thing. I mean, it's Teams thing. You can't really Teams is a tool. Zoom is a tool, so you can't really open up and have a you know have that level of interaction that you would if you were, say, I don't know, sat in a pub, sat in a cafe, um, sat in an office with somebody. Um, and so and so those deep like, personal um, conversations that you have with your colleagues and the people that you trust don't really happen over Zoom calls. 
So, so we are missing out. And there's a whole generation, or the next generation, and a generation after that. If this is the norm, then we're going to find a very different sort of human being. I think if that's the if that's the way it's going to work. Yeah, do, do you know it's something really interesting. Just before um, Christmas, I, I sort of met met up with a few old workmates. You know, the old agency. And we all, as you you know, you do, you get together, you'll talk about what happened and funny stories and, you know, all the disasters and whatever. And it sort of just struck me. It was like, you know, since the pandemic, since we've all been working from home, I have zero stories that come anywhere close <laughs> to what it was like working in an agency. And it's like, you know, the closest story we've, well, I've got to, a, you know, anything vaguely funny was like, oh, the Wi-Fi system <laughs> was awful. You know, I mean, it's so... It, it, <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's like yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you see, it's old Rob Mayhew on um, on LinkedIn. I love his stuff. Yeah. They're really, they're really funny. He's excellent. But uh, they sort of hark back to like working in an agency, and I remember that. But I mean, if you showed that to somebody in I don't know five years time, when everyone's working remotely, they wouldn't be able to relate to it at all. Um, but it's it's no, it's, it's yeah, very it's really he's very funny that guy. But but yeah, you know, I, I I'm exactly the same. There's no there's no funny stories and those experiences. They're shared experiences. That all night people to work on a pitch because somebody had fucked up the brief. You know uh, that those those experiences which were hell at the time, but really funny to laugh about. You know, in a in a you know six months after, they've all they've all sort of gone. Yeah. And, and like, you know, Sel, you're, you're kind of, you, you know, you're an owner, you're an agency owner, like you're not just experiencing this as an individual, but you're kind of responsible for a bunch of people, right? Like what, what, what could you share? Like, well, is there nothing to share? Is it just, we're just looking at this sort of black hole of emptiness where everyone's just going to be working, you know, remotely forever, might come in once a month or every fortnight and just get drunk and that's it. That's culture. That's the culture. No, that's it. No, I was just uh, listening to Jeremy. Uh, the end. Drinking, <laughs> drinking ourselves to oblivion. It's not. It's not that. Um, it's. It, it's an interesting thing. I mean, there's so much to unpack from what Jeremy and Aidan and and, and uh, Herr Doctor have been saying. But um, <clears throat> we've got. Uh, you know, I've been at sort of Ogilvy big agency stuff, WCRS back in the day where I first met Aid. Uh, the uh, the aforementioned Paling Walters, where I met Mr. Walters, and uh, they've all they've all sort of informed the way um, we do things. I, I, you know, I suppose slightly to Jeremy's point, you, there's no point in having somebody who is good at something and then making them do something else. Uh, so we kind of we kind of give them the confidence, I suppose, but our creative guys particularly the confidence to think or to for us to say to them, uh, you, you do it for yourself, do it because you want to do something do it because you like what it looks like so i get you know designers younger designers will you know so i've done this this is what the client said and you look at it do you like it don't worry about what the client let let the suits worry about what the clients want you know how does how does a company like learner and bones get to be different from a company like mccann's well let's let our you know in a way let's think about it let's let our slam poet copywriter put some of that kind of ethos into the way he works now, i'm not saying every one of our clients is going to buy a piece of copy that sounds like uh sounds like a rap song but um you know you've got to start somewhere with with give and with giving something um you know back to the guys let them experience the the sort of the 
the the fun. So they do like coming into work, but they also like working at home. Uh, to Aid's point, they like working at home because it saves them money. Uh, and they like coming into the office because there's a bit of a culture going on. And that isn't a culture of you sit at your desk and uh, they do sit at their desks and work, but it's not a culture, sit down, get it done, out at five. Yeah. Are you making people come in? Yeah, but making them. I mean, they're just, we've just told them to. <laughs> Uh, and they do seem to we're pretty flexible people do often work from home when they want to i mean i don't think we're we're um we're just not an agency that forces people to do things Mm. so if you want to work from home on a day within reason we kind of it's okay we do stuff i think we learned it from big agencies that give people um i suppose it goes back to maslow's hierarchy of needs or or maybe you think about how you make people um, or how you help people enjoy their jobs. They could go off and be heroes at other agencies if they really wanted to. But somehow they they like to stick with us, at least for a while, quite a, a while. We have quite a low turnover of staff generally. And I think it's because we, we try and make it a place where they're happy. Uh, and it's it's little details. It's, we make sure everyone's got you know insurances and uh, critical illness covers, all that stuff that you often don't see in small companies. We've just introduced a sabbatical system so guys can go off or, you know, they can go off and um, take six months. It might be three months, actually. I can't remember. Uh, take some time off. I think it is three months. You might have to edit the six months bit out. Uh, you know, then go off and and, um, and go off and travel and, and they know that their job is secure when they come back. Things like that make people feel comfortable. Um, and, um, but... I guess, in a way, the way it feels to me is that something, in a way, we still run our agency in a fairly conventional way. We do have an office. Part of that is a, is a, a sort of an ego sense, a, a kind of an anchor. It's in central London. I think if we had an office, you know, kind of in a shithole, we might have decided to bid it. But it's, in, it's very central. People love it. Uh, clients who come to it love it. And... Um, you know the the it, it's a it's a hub and I, you know, God, I'm going to retire at some point soon. I should think and uh, and I, I like it. I come up out of the tube and I look up at the windows of this office you know, on the corner of a building in in Soho and I think, yeah, that's 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 not bad. That's that's not a bad thing to do. When am I going to get an invite to this office? Uh, we'll come with Frank on uh, in February and we can All dig right. into it. Yeah, we'll write. <laughs> we'll dig into some. Yeah, we've been, we've been, we do gin and tonics. We have Bloody Marys. We usually have, oh, I can tell you, actually, talk about stories. So, yeah, rem- working remotely is a bit, bit tedious, but we, we have a connection with a, um, uh, a network, global network. And, uh, uh, so there's some interesting stuff has been happening with that. But, um, one of the guys was over. Uh, we hadn't met him before so he came to the office we had a few bottles this is old school for those of you who are our age um, old school advertising behavior so we went and had a decent lunch a couple of bottles and then got back to the office and we were going to go out and we had some some rosé we don't normally drink most but there's some rosé in the fridge at this point one of the guys left so there's just three of us me and Jill and this one guy from this network and we thought well we'll try the rosé but we had another bottle of rosé. It was a different. We had Kylie Minogue's rosé. Uh, she's some Australian girl, Jeremy. I don't know if you've ever heard of her. And um, uh, another rosé, a French one. And so what we, we, thought, we thought we'd try them both and compare them. Anyway, uh, the three of us managed to work our way through six bottles of rosé. 
on top of the wine we'd had at lunch. And if you've ever been to my office, you know, so about 11 o'clock at night, 12 o'clock at night, we sort of finally rolled out of the office and we went downstairs to get into taxis, which we'd ordered. And the taxis pulled up outside the office of the, uh, of the, of the, pulled up outside the door of the office. And um, somewhere between the door and the taxi, which is about 50 feet, we managed to lose this guy. <laughs> so that um, Jill had to actually phone his wife and apologise for having sort of lost him, hope he got home. And uh, we were invited out to Milan for a conference uh, a few months later. And the first thing people said to us when they met us, because we were sort of meeting people in the network, ah, you're, I won't say the guy's name, you're the people who broke such and such. Yes, he, he had to go to a meeting the, the following morning and he was completely broken. And unfortunately, in a good way and a bad way, our reputation has, be- has became that of somebody who could break people with their drinking. Is this you giving me a heads up of what's going to happen in February? Well, possibly. <laughs> possibly. I'd just love to just drill down a little bit into this point, and I'll, you know, I'll open up to you, Frank, and then everyone else. What would you say to somebody who's a creative director, chief creative officer, ECD, whatever, creative leader, right now, who's been feeling really lonely over the last two to three years? Is there anything that you can say, any any experience that you've had over your your years that you could impart right now to sort of maybe help? Um, yeah, it's I'm 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 listening to all this. It's and there's some really good points by everyone. Um, the, the conversation over the last, you know, 35 minutes or so has really been about human contact, hasn't it? I mean, it, it's it, it's been about human contact. And the bit that you mentioned, Shaheen, you're absolutely right to mention this big word. In fact, everyone has mentioned it now, is the culture. And culture is, is really quite important, I think, anyway. And I, and I think we'd all agree we would anyway because we were all working in a in a pre-covid world where we were all together we were all exploring things together talking together um and i i think clear, clearly things have changed but i've been in a not a fortunate position but an unusual position that i've spent 40 odd years in, in advertising, what I call like regular advertising in agencies with other people. Then I've had a, a sort of break uh, for a couple of years with COVID. And now I've sort of got back into advertising, albeit as a, a consultant for, for pitching with agencies. And for me, um, the change is remarkable. I mean, because I haven't slowly built up to it. I've I've left it and come back to it, and it's a different world. And this is one of the things that I wanted to talk about from the beginning. Um, I I really look forward to getting back with people. When I got the call uh, about half a year ago, could I help on the pitch? I got a little bit excited because I felt, oh, yeah, you know, going to get back in the agency, see people. Uh, it's going to be great. <laughs> Um, (laughs) Well, you know, to to be honest, um, during COVID, and we talk about, you know, Adrian mentioned a few things about the way people survived and got on. I remember there was a point right in the middle of COVID where some good friends of ours, we used to have dinner together. 
we ended up having a virtual dinner together. I mean, we this is bonkers. We had the same meal. We had lamb or something with flagellate beans or whatever it was. And they had the same, but they cooked it at their plate. We cooked it at ours, and we sat around the dinner table with a computer. <laughs> and, and I know this sounds really quite bizarre, but it was actually quite good because what it did, it brought back some of the old-fashioned values of communication over dinner. You know, where you're having a chat, you're telling a few jokes. How's your lamb? Yeah, yours is probably better than mine. All this sort of stuff. And it sort of worked. So there is something, uh, there are some positives for Zoom. Um, but anyway, I I got really quite excited about six months ago working on a pitch. I hadn't worked on one for a couple of years, so it was a bit, you know, a bit challenging for me. I was a bit scared in a way. I mean, I thought, you know, we're living in a in a super new world, you know, full of technology and different views and opinions. But actually, if I give you an example, you know, I the, the first pitch I did, people were really nice. I mean, that's, and, and people are nice in general, aren't they? I mean, it's like, you know, we all have to live on the same planet together. And I was, I was quite pleased with that. It's really good. The whole process uh, was good. Um, the first thing I noticed um, that when we went on Zoom, you know, for the first meeting, a catch-up meeting, uh, you know, investigate the, the 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 brief, the strategy, the market, and I noticed straight away that nobody was actually in an agency; uh, they were all at home. Um, so anyway, I thought, okay, that's fine. Um, then I I I actually said, are we are we ever going to meet? Um, you know, be nice to sort of know, uh, right? Okay, and what about the pitch? You know, do you want me to come to the pitch? Um, it will be remote. Oh, you know, so there's no so for me that you know, not having a, a contact, a visual, personal human contact with clients seemed a little bit unusual to be honest with you and i i felt that you could lose a lot by not having that contact um the the other the other thing that i noticed um was that in the with the agencies i can't mention these agencies obviously i but but in the agencies they're all really nice people and they you know but but there was nobody that i could see who was really a senior creative i I suppose, in a way, it's why they invited me to come because I am a or was a senior creative, and I <laughs> senior citizen anyway. Well, <laughs> I suppose I'm a senior citizen, but I didn't feel that there was any creative of note who was the keeper of that agency's culture. I didn't feel that I, I because I went in there thinking. I will help sort of strategically come up with some angles of attack, you know, sort of try and try and establish a, a single-minded proposition and do all these things that we all do, you know, in the usual way. But I will, you know, I won't be in charge of it. I will, I will sort of feed the creative director or the senior creative or whatever and empower them as I as I always did. Hayley Walters always empower other people to to do things and one thing i noticed was that there was very few people to empower and i i found that quite unusual i didn't quite know what to do and it almost reached a point where you know frank we love some of your 
concepts, some of these ideas. I said, I know they're only they're, they're early stage thoughts, but I'm sure your creatives can develop them. And I said, and then they came back and said, could you develop them? And I'm, uh, what? <laughs> Hello. That's um, where it all fell down, well, Frank. That's where it all fell down. <laughs> well, I I don't mind. I, I you know I mean you guys know what I'm like. I'm not I'm not brilliant at, at Photoshop and stuff like that and making things visually work. But I was there not to do that, but to to help them both strategically and creatively come up with a, a proposition and some outcomes against that proposition that were exciting, intriguing, you know, they're going to win the pitch. Um, But I was just sort of, and I've got to say this, I just couldn't see, people were far more junior than I, maybe you're right, maybe I'm a senior citizen and everybody looks, you know, like today's policemen, they all look like kids. (laughs) Maybe I've got that issue. But I really did feel that. And therefore, from my point of view, I didn't feel that, the agencies that I work with had any particular marked creative or apparent creative culture. And, you know, uh, Shahid, you, you know, you've said to me, what advice would you give for a senior creative at the moment? I would say start to, you know, develop and with, with passion and commitment, try and develop a, a, a perceived culture. I think of where you want to be, you know, where the agency is now and where the agency want to, you know, what are the values? What are the, you know, what are the ethical, what are the agency, what are the, where do you want to go? And I just felt on the pit and I'm not knocking because I want to be invited back. So I'm not, I'm not complaining about any of the agencies I work for. I'm just talking about the observation I've had with the, with with the, the the way the world exists right now, and and I've I'm in that fortunate position of seeing the way it was, had a break, and now see the way it is now, and it, it is different. And I think the important thing that's sort of missing at the moment is, from my point of view, and maybe it's just because of the the agencies I spoke to, they came to me because maybe they needed somebody senior, but there was nobody really there that was and i'm wondering um if that might have anything to do with cost no i was just going to say on that point do you um to the group really do you think there's been a sort of a drop in in the creative bar i, I don't mean the one at my office but no, i mean I, that I, I i i do and I, i've got to be a bit careful because you know the, these agencies they're nice people they've been good to me they've invited me in and we've been successful with the pictures, which is really great. But I, I'm, I'm, I'm being open about this because I think it's quite important um, that agencies do need to have their own culture, um, even though they're working remotely, even though they're sitting around a dinner table looking at each other on a, a computer, you still got to have a bit of culture. And I just think the general creative bar, as you call it, Selwyn, has, has reduced a lot. Um, because when I, when I I worked on these projects, and I was happy working on them, and they were good projects, and I worked with some good people, and they were successful. By the way, they they won their their pitches, which I was pleased because it meant I got paid. Um, but I just noticed though that there was there was not the sort of the type of feeling of of passion and 
involvement uh, from the craters. And and some of the craters there, they were clearly freelance. They weren't working. And I'm just, and they were, they were young. Nothing wrong with being young. Nothing, nothing at all. But they were people without a lot of experience and hadn't been in the industry very long. So and many things I talked about, they sort of questioned it and half of them couldn't quite get some of it. And uh, and I, I was like, wow. So that's the end of part one. Thank you so much for listening. Please do hit the subscribe button to be the first to hear part two. You will not want to miss it, I promise you. Until next time.